0: Faith us. how are we doing this weekend, huh, wow. Man, that was some happening worship. We just want to welcome you whatever campus you're at. You could be at Pellissippi, you could be at Blunt County, you could be at North Knoxville, Anderson County. Uh, you could be at Campbell County campus. Uh, You could be at our internet campus, you could be at any one of tons of locations, but we're thrilled that you chose to spend part of this weekend worshiping God with us, learning more about God, so we are excited. God is rocking the house. We are already reaping as we have been reading through the Bible together. Come on, somebody give God some loving. Man, it's been awesome. It has been great, and so as you saw, by the way, Fusion, I want to challenge parents of all of our students, get your kids, whatever campus you're at, get your kids to Fusion. It is a rocking and a happening deal. I don't know how many people even on our staff were saved at a Fusion or a camp experience, called a ministry. We really, you know, it is it is a big event. And so I want to challenge you, get them to Fusion, get them to camp. Well, they don't know anybody, get them there anyway. They don't know anybody at school, but you make them go. And so I want to challenge you to do that. Again, we start I Am Faith Promise next weekend, You simply do not want to miss it. It's going to rock. Well, before we dive in the Word, I'm going to take just a a point of personal privilege because so many people have asked me about this, and I have not done this, and this is sort of out of That is uh, my granddaughter. Her name is JL. Is she not the cutest thing? Now, she she is cute, and we just really pray that she takes after her beautiful mother, Rachel, because but, but I found out last week that she has some of her father in her, Zach, our student pastor at Blunt. When Zach, we brought Zach home from the hospital. Uh, Zach was just a few days old. We brought him home, and he had not pooed yet. And so the living room was full of people welcoming Zach home, and Michelle handed him to me naked. And just hold that pose right there for a minute, because let me tell you what happened. So they hand Zach to me. And he starts, I got him in one hand, and he literally fills that handful of Zach and (laughs) Pooh. I don't know what to do, so I switch hands, and he fills that hands with Pooh. I'm screaming to my mom and Michelle's mom, dad, and Michelle, everybody in the room, somebody get this Pooh kid off me. Nobody can move their horse laughing me. My psyche is scarred. And so the other night, this is the the first time I've got to feed J.L., And I was feeding her, she's so cute. And all of a sudden, I hear the noise, the rippling of the poo. And I look at Zach, and I said, wow, Zach, she's been going on for a while, dude, man. And, you know, she's like you. And, and, you know, she got done. You know, the room quit vibrating. and, And so I set her up straight to burp her. And that's when Michelle said, oh, she's had a blowout. She filled my lap with poo. And so... We just pray there's more Rachel than there is Zach in her because Zach and her both have some poo. Well, all right, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's, let's move on. Now, by the way, if you're new or if you're a guest, we're in the middle of a, of, a, of a one-year Bible reading record. We've got some journals out there if you want to grab one. We're in the middle of a 21-day fast. Never heard more feedback Everywhere I go people are saying man i'm loving the fast i'm loving I never loved it before I'm loving the word learning it so it's really a cool deal, so you want to dive in there before I do let me let me let me uh, let me talk to you a minute about about something uh this just on my heart this before before we dive into this because uh, I almost punted the message this weekend we've been in First Timothy chapter six verses seventeen for week eighteen, and then we're going to finish this week. And I almost punted this week. And let me tell you why, because this is our typical January. We start on the first weekend of the year, and we do this. The second weekend of the year, and we do this. The third weekend of the you know we do that until the Super Bowl. And then you people don't go to church on the Super Bowl. I'm not sure what, but I hope your team loses if you don't come to church. And so <laughs> this is, a, but this is a, a typical trajectory of a January. It's, it's almost always been our best month all year long. But this is, you know, you want if you don't first weekend. And then we talked about generosity. And this is what it did last weekend. It's never, we don't do that. But, you know, no, so uh, this is the fourth weekend. I know this actually did this. Yeah, it, it dropped last weekend. Let me tell you why it dropped last weekend. Because we talked about money. That's, that's why it dropped last weekend. And, and and it is so important to me that we reach people and grow. I'm just, man, I'm a numbers guy. Because every number has a name, every name has a story, every story matters to God. Right? Every number has a name, every name has a story, every story matters to God. And so I'm I'm a numbers guy, and when the attendance drops, it always bothers me. And so I said, well, let's just don't do the last message. Let's let's don't do the last message. Let's not do that last message because they don't like it. I I could literally could feel the pushback last weekend. I could could feel it. That, you know, okay, you've talked about it too much, they don't like it, but but, man, as I really sought to face the Lord, listen, my job is not to make you happy. My job is for you to be holy. That's just the deal. And and the pastor's job at Faith Promise, all the pastors, our job is not to entertain you. Our job is to see that you are sanctified, that you are used by God, that you grow. Now, what we've done in this series is we literally have gone after the jugular of hell, because we're going after what Jesus said was the number one, the number one competitor for our hearts, it is money and the master. It's the number one thing that blocks people from God. So you start talking about it, people get weird, and so people in church backing away. Jesus talk, talked more about it than any other topic, your money, your stuff, and what's going to happen. So, man, I just just want to tell you, I'm going to finish this message, I'm going to finish this series and, and if you don't like it, it should be this big honking flag. If you leave mad, it's because you love money more than you love Jesus. And let me just tell you, I mean, it's just a deal. Now, if you're clapping and you don't give, you're just twisted. I mean, didn't Jesus say, these people honor me, they honor me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. See, we got this whole Bible. It's a wonderful book. You should try it sometime. And so, and and so, really, I'm gonna tell you as your pastor what I want. I want you to receive a hundredfold harvest. I really do, I really do believe that that we'll have Genesis 26, 12. And Isaac planted in the same year, he harvested a hundredfold because the Lord was with him. And God promised that you would reap if you do not grow, you would reap if you don't grow weary in sowing. A lot of people grow weary, and so it is just absolutely key, and it's, it's so important that we, that we get a hold of this. Uh, let me read a card. I hadn't read one in a long time <clears throat> as, it, as it pertains to us because, you know, one of the things that we may not think about is our students and our children and what they do in generosity. You know what I'm talking about? But we've got to train up another generation to be after the heart of God, right? And I received this after the Heart for the Harvest offering, and I've just held it. Dear Chris, on your recent weekend stewardship focus, uh, you touched uh, my 16 year old grandson's heart. He had $160 and he gave $150. Now, I went and asked his dad, How long did it take him to save $150? Six months. He worked for six months, said, uh, saved $160, he gave $150 in the Heart for the Harvest, Dakota. And uh, <clears throat> Dakota almost seemed to feel bad about keeping the $10. I am thrilled that he has a heart to give and thankful for your influence in my family life. You see, God is raising up generous people at Faith Promise Church. And there are people that don't like it, and there are people that are mad about it. And, and, and what 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 realize again that, that money and your stuff is the number one competitor for your heart, right? We want God to own our heart. We want our heart to be the throne of which Jesus takes his rightful place. But while Jesus is the sower sowing the seed, the enemy is out there sowing the weed. And in in Matthew chapter 13, let me tell you what Jesus warns us. In verse 24, then Jesus presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven must be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, the tares also became evident. The slaves of the land came and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares, weeds? How does it have it? And he said, an enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, do you want us to go then and gather them up? No. He said, for while you're gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat. Let them both grow together until the harvest in the, in the time of the harvest, I will say the reapers gather up the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. While Jesus is sowing seed into our hearts, amen, the devil is sowing weed. And the devil is always sowing that we would be focused on money and our stuff and our possessions. That's why he said you cannot serve God and money. And so let me tell you why the devil sows weed, because if you're born again, he wants to make sure that you have a zero-fold harvest. And Jesus said, some will have a zero, some will be 30, some will be 60, and some will be 100-fold. I don't know about y'all, but I, man, I'm a 100-fold kind of guy. Anybody with me in the house this weekend, 100-fold? So now remember, our job here is not to grow a crowd. Our job is to grow a church. And so we cannot skip and gloss over parts of the Bible. Uh, We we, we can't do it. And so we're talking about sowing seeds of generosity. We're talking about putting Jesus first and pulling the weeds of greed. And that's what God wants us to do. Amen? That's, That's where he is. That's what he's looking for us to do. And really, the American mindset is all about our stuff. It's all about money. It's all about get you can, you know, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can. That's American mindset. That's what he wants us to do. Now, I've said it in this as we're dealing with 1 Timothy 6, that it's written to wealthy people, and most of us are wealthy, but we don't know it, right? None of us feels rich. So let me give you some rich people problems. This is going to help you. This messed my wife up hugely when I talked to her about this, Michelle. Just, but, but this has helped me with problems. These are rich people problems. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Listen, if you have poor cell coverage, You ever dropped a call, wanted to throw your iPhone out the window, scream and yelled because you you dropped it. You ever done that? Sure you have. Mad? That's a rich person problem. Your teachers, your kid's teacher didn't call you back? That's a rich person problem. Limited vacation time. We're only gonna get two weeks of the beach this year. That's a rich person problem. Uh, Your satellite guy is gonna come between 12 and 6 and you have to wait. That's a rich person problem. Poor people don't have to worry about that. They don't have a satellite. They don't have a TV. Are you with me? And so this is your computer crashes. Horror of horrors. You lose your pictures. And your games. Rich people problems. Amen? Poor people don't worry about their computer crashing. Slow internet speed dial up. Can you believe it? It takes three minutes for my computer to boot up. What am I going to do? Rich person problem. Security lines at the airport. Have you ever complained? Do not lie. If you've been there, you've complained. (laughs) Rich person problem because poor people don't fly in airplanes. And most of you have been in one. If your problem begins with my yard guy, (laughs) then you're rich. If your problem begins with you can't believe what my housekeeper did, rich. And so these are rich people problems. So whenever you're mad about something, I'm just praying in Jesus' name that this thought comes back to you. Well, that's a rich person's problem. It's going to mess you up. You'll be sorry you came to church this week. You'll be arguing with your spouse, and one of you is going to say, this is a rich people problem. It's coming. It's going to happen. If, if, if you say, you, my air conditioner's broke at my house, you mean you have a house that has a heater? Or you can't believe my car. You have one? See, these are rich people problems, aren't they? Aren't they? Yes. And so the Bible says to in, verse, uh, in, in 1 Timothy 6, instruct the wealthy in this world not to be arrogant or put their hope in the uncertainty of riches. And so we're, we're talking to all of our campuses, the bulk of us, man, we're in the top 1% of wage earners on the planet. And so we've talked about hope migration not having money and and even being saved and then and then getting money and then our hope migrating from from Jesus and our hope migrates to our money we talked about side effects that wealth has for people we talked last week and if you've missed any message please get it we talked last weekend about predetermine your percentages what percentage you'll live on what percentage you'll give what percentage you'll save just you know when we gave you a budget we, I put another set of budget sheets at every campus and uh, every other seat if you didn't get one take one home help you do a budget If you say, "Man, I need some more help," there's a our financial steward. You know, our generosity commitment cards in every other seat. Take it and check. I need to be in one of the financial classes and put in in our in our financial team. We'll get in touch with you. And so, now some people don't like what we've talked about, and we got that. But it's going to get weirder than it's been the whole series. It's going to get. If you're not a Christ follower, you're not going to get what we're about to talk about. You're just not going to get it. It's just bizarre. When you, it's just, it's, it's, it's weird when you, when we look in here and see what we're going to talk about. So if you're not a, if you're not a believer, I understand this is going to be weird. I, I got that. You know, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so, again, let's pick it up in verse seventeen. instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to what, enjoy. God wants us to enjoy what he's given us. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And then our verse for this weekend, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Now, verse 19, store for themselves treasures of a good foundation for the future, for the future. And it talks about this present world. This present will instruct those to be good in this present world. Well, what other world is there? See, if, if you're not a believer, then this is all that there is. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm, and I'm praying, Jesus, damn you'll remember this. More, there's more to life than this life. And we've got to get a hold of that. There's more to life than this life. 97% of Americans believe in heaven. That surprises me since 8% of Americans are atheists. I guess some of those atheists are hoping they're going to squeak in, huh? But really. They're hoping this is not it. But that, that's, and so, so what are we telling? We're to instruct them to, to do what? To be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, for they may take hold of that which is life indeed. And, and so uh, we, we, we instruct people. There's more to life than this life. There's more to life than what's going on. There's more to life than your 401K. Does that, does that make sense? Anybody with me? This present world, what, again, what other world is there? Well, there's heaven. It says that, that you'll have treasure in heaven. And so what we're storing up. you know. So what you're telling me, wait a minute, Chris, you're telling me that I need to give so that I'll have more? Because that doesn't make sense. Give so that I'll have more, that I have treasure in heaven. What's that all about? The more I keep, the more I have. Well, that's the way the world looks at it, isn't it? But the way that God looks at it, we store up for eternal life. We store up. And so really the more that we give away, the more that we have, because there's more to life than this life. It, ju- it just is. And if you read the Gospels, the four Gospels, and Jesus with a view of the future, you will truly get this. Because I'm going to make a statement that most people miss, and, and we don't teach about often, and most people don't think about this. And this, If you're listening, Sam, I, I am. You can impact your status and your standing in heaven by what you do here. See, it is grace that gets us in, for you are for it is by grace that you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. We get into heaven simply by what Jesus did and salvation by, by grace through faith. Amen? But once we're into the kingdom, once we're born again, once we step out of darkness and into light, out of death and into life, once we've been born again and our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, now what we do for him gets marked in his book. And he opens those books when we get there. And he, out, of, out of what we have done for him, they, then rewards are given. And so one of the reasons, one of the many reasons that you sow seeds of generosity is because as you give away, you are, you're storing up treasures and you are impacting your future in heaven. There is more at stake than you realize. Because what people believe is, I just want more money for faith promise. I just want to give more money, man. But listen, I'm trying to help you be ready for the life to come. I'm trying to be ready to to, to to help you. So, how does Paul come to the conclusion? Because I'm going to tell you, this passage that we've been in is so contrary to Paul's culture; it's unbelievable. You study the Rome, the Greco-Roman, narcissistic pantheon—all these gods. It is all about selfish. The gods were selfish. The people were selfish. It was all about you know getting all that you can get. And so, how does Paul get this? How does Paul come up with? This, this whole generosity deal, what's up? Well, in Luke 12, Jesus tells a story that we so need to get. And, and the story begins in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Tell my brother to give me my money. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been at a bunch of funeral homes with a bunch of families arguing about who gets the money. It's It's horrible. Hey, teacher, tell my brother to give me the part of my inheritance that falls to me. And he said, Who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said, Because the guy's wanting money, beware and be on your guard against every form of what? Greed. Greed. For not, this is so contrary to American culture. Look at what it says. For not even when one has an abundance, and we're an abundance people, aren't we? Not even one has an abundance of his life consists of his. Possessions. We in America believe that our life consists in our possessions, don't we? That's why we want more. Because the more possessions we have, the happier we think that we'll be. But in reality, the more insurance you got to pay, the more maintenance you got to do, the more stuff you got to clean. You get a big house, see how long it takes you to clean that thing. And so, it, you know, it's, it, it's, and so your life is more than your possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. Man, this guy's got a farm. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? The guys just harvested a bumper, a hundred-fold harvest. And he says, what in the world am I going to do? Now, the crowd is listening because Jesus begins the story by saying, a certain rich man. And we all envy rich people. That's why people used to watch shows like The Lifestyle of the Rich and the that's why people watch all these celebrity shows. That's why they look at all the magazines and, you know, in the, at, at the payout, at where you pay at the grocery store. It's all about the rich and famous. And so Jesus begins this story. So everybody stops. We're going to a rich man. This rich man has a bumper crop, and this rich man's got some of the same problems that we do. He said, I got no place to keep my stuff. And if I was to go home with many of you and look in your closet, You couldn't shoehorn another shirt in there. You couldn't get another pair of shoes in there. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't don't misunderstand. So this this, this, this dude is rich. I got no place for my crops. What am I going to do? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. Got no room. So what is he going to do? Upgrade. I'm going to put an addition on the house. I'm going to build a second garage. I'm going to build me a man cave. I'm going to build this because I need a media room. So I'm going I'm to add this and so what? I'm going to tear my barns down because they're not big enough, and I'm going to build me some big honking barns, and I'm going to put all my stuff in there. And then he says, I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And I got it written right in my Bible. Party. He's going to retire, he's going to play golf and fish and hunt and chill and have big banquets. Man, this guy is the dude, everybody's listening to the story, wanting to be this guy. They're saying, whoa, can I, can I trade places with him? Have you ever said that? Well, I love to trade places with them. Well, I love to have what they have. You ever just driven around and look at big houses? Nobody goes to the hood and drives around and looks at trailers. <laughs> Do they? Come on. Some of you had never even been to the hood. Man, we drive around the houses of the biggest Sequoia Hills and drop, God. And this is what we look and say, I wonder what they do. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, that's wow. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on. And so that's what this crowd's doing. They're saying, wow, guy, has got these barns. He's, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. This guy's going to save now so that he could consume it later, and man, this is this is the deal. And, and, and this is what he thinks. I've got all this, and all this is for me. Now, if Jesus would have put a period right here, the story would have been over, we'd be using this guy as an illustration of retirement accounts, savings accounts. We'd be using him as a model financial planner because now he's got enough money to take care of himself and his kids and his grandkids, and we'd be saying, man, this guy's... This is a deal. We'd be saying hoarding is healthy. I'm not the TV show, you know, the weird people. But we say, man, this guy's got it. This guy, listen, I want to be that guy. A matter of fact, this guy's going to go out speaking and on tours of how to have bigger barns and have more stuff. And he's going to write books and he's going to get more money. We had to be great if it was over right there. Look at verse 20. But God said, you fool, you this very night your soul is required of you, which means he's gonna die. And now who will have all you who will have what you own and what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You ought to circle that in your Bible and is not rich toward God. See, Jesus' audience now is stunned. See, they wanted to be this guy. In, they want to emulate this guy. They're envious of this guy. And Jesus says, You fool. And the people say, Whoa. Because, see, the Old Testament, the mark of God's favor was money, it was the ultimate mark of God's favor. Look at, just read through the Old Testament how God prospered people and they asked for God's prosperity. Nothing wrong with prospering. And so Jesus said, you fool, and everybody shocked, him. they lean in to hear what Jesus is going to teach because Jesus is about to give a really a new teaching. And the, the, folks are, the, the, the folks that are listening, these good Jews who knew the Torah, the Old Testament, they can't believe what he is saying. They can't believe what's going on. Now, the farmer cannot believe it. My time can't be up because I still have money. You know what I mean? It can't be. See, if I've got money, that means I've got time. Money and time don't always equal. I know people run out of money before they run out of time. Do y'all? And I know people that run out of time before they run out of money. They don't equal. See, this guy made the wrong assumption. He thought the assum- his assumption was everything was for his own consumption. He didn't think about generosity. He didn't think about others. He didn't think about giving. He didn't think about sharing. Let me tell you something about him. Are you ready? If you're listening, Sam. I am. His opportunity for generosity was over. The last day to give that last offering, to write that check, to help the poor, to care for people. it was done. He didn't get another ch- he didn't get another chance it was over. Who got his stuff? The same person is going to get your stuff, somebody else. Because when you die, somebody's going to get it. whatever you leave behind, they're going to get it. matter of fact, if you're not careful, they're going to argue about it. And so we're all going to leave the same amount. All of it, right? We're going to leave everything. We're not keeping it. We're not taking anything with us. That's what we're going to do. We're going to leave, we're going to leave every single bit. That's, that's just that, that's how it works. That, that's, that's just what happened. And so who's going to get it? Somebody else. Now, let, me, let me make another statement. Are you ready? You get no credit for the money that you leave behind. You only get credit for the money you give. You can have $10 million in the bank, and your kids will do well, and your spouse if you're married. But there will be no credit in heaven for what you leave, only what you give. Does that that make sense? And again, listen, we're all going to leave the same amount, all of it. Last opportunity this guy had. That's why Jesus said you're a fool, because you thought everything you had was for you. You weren't generous. You didn't give to others. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't do that. You weren't generous and share. You, you, and what he, he finishes by saying this, and he is not rich towards God. So is the man who stores up treasure for himself. See, you want to be rich towards God. I want to be rich towards God. Y'all want to be rich towards God. So we want to be rich toward God, and when we get there, there's going to be a reward, and there's going to be all the stuff going on in heaven. I want to be rich toward God. So, so how does that happen? Well, this is where Paul gets the inspiration for what he's teaching at the end of 1 Timothy because Paul was well acquainted with the teaching of Jesus. But Jesus's teaching was so contrary to the Roman culture. The Roman culture was about self. Again, get all you can. You know, can all you get, sit on the can. That's what they did. But they were people that were not rich towards God. No, and so we, we want to be people that are rich towards God. Remember the rich young ruler? Go sell what you have and come and follow me. What would, what would have Jesus said and he said, okay, I'll be back in a week? What do you think the Lord might have said? "I keep it. I don't know what he would have said. I love spiritual speculation. Because that's all that is, because we don't know what Jesus would have said to him. But what Jesus did know is that the rich young ruler loved money more than he loved him, and he chose his money over the master. And Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other. But what if he just said, I'm just going to sell everything I have and, come and give to the poor and come and follow you? If you ever go to our website um, uh, and you go to the Give section, we have a new thing on there called I Donate. And and one of the ways that you can invest the kingdom is is just... Go to I donate and say I want to give blank. They'll come get it, sell it. Church get the money. So to have any yard sale now they're not going to take junk. So come on, your 1932 treadmill it's not going. <laughs> but it's just a great way to advance the kingdom. In this last harvest, the harvest people gave several different kind of things other than money. People are getting property. People are giving stocks. People have given all kind of things. See, Jesus, you know, as God looks at us, he said, when you've done it for my kids, you've done it for me. Does that make sense? Now, parents, would you rather somebody do something for your kids or for you? So God looks at when God wants us to be rich toward him, we're rich toward God by giving to his kids. By, we, we give to people that are created in his image and he said when you'll do that when you'll be generous when you'll share then you're going to have treasure in heaven you're going to be rich towards me so what we have to do church those of us that are Christ followers that believe this bible is we have got to look at our stuff through the lens of eternity does that make sense See, we look at all that we have, all that God has given us, not just through our retirement or, or what we're going to do. We look at our stuff and we look down the long view of when we get to heaven and how we've handled all that God has given us. In this way, you will, you will be rich towards God. By not, you know, by, by again, where he says in, as he finishes up uh, 1 Timothy, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. He's talking about. In the future in heaven, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Because Jesus said, Life is, it consists of way more than your possessions. And I pray God increases your possessions, that God blesses your finances, that God moves. But listen, why would God bless our finances if we worship money? Why would He give us more gold if gold is our God? See, when God has your heart, He can fill your hands. And so, man, I want more for you. I want more for you than I want from you. Some of you don't believe that, and I can't help that. There's not anything I can do about that but continue preaching the Word of God. I, I just don't know in, in any way. So that we can take hold of that which is life indeed. Does that make sense? Now, last week, I'm so sorry, but I had so many cards and things I was talking about and sign up for groups and all that kind of stuff that I, that I, I walked through the financial crisis the generosity commitment card, but I didn't even ask you to put it in the offering box. And one of the reasons that I'm asking you, if you didn't do that last week, to take that card and every other seat and fill it out as this. Go and grab it right now, just right now. Four levels of giver. Are you a learner? you just gonna start giving. I mean, a beginner, a learner, which you're putting God in your budget at a certain percent. A core that you're giving 10% or you're lavish, you give more. And this is the reason, one of the reasons, is that you're making a faith commitment to God, not to anybody else. But what I do is I take those cards and I begin every day to pray over those cards. That God, especially people that, that are joining, that just stepping into the generosity journey. That God will so meet them. So impact them as they begin that they will be generous forever. That means if people leave, go to another state, they'll go to another church, and they'll be faithful in that church. That they'll be faithful to give to the poor. They'll be generous and ready to share. Is that not what God wants us to do? So, so man, I don't want to just take the card grab it right now. It's in every other seat. Fill it out. Check which one. And again, if you're if you've never done it, take the 90-day take the tithe challenge. I'm going to tithe for 90 days, which means you give 10% of your income to the Lord through his church. You don't give to Chris. You don't even get a faith promise. You give to God through his church. And, and you take the 90-day tithe challenge. If you're not glad you do, we'll give all your money back. Because we believe Malachi 3.10. Test me now and this, says the Lord of hosts. If you bring your tithe, if I want to open up the windows of heaven heaven, a part of blessing such that you cannot contain it. And so, man, I'm just, I want you to have the heart of heaven. Generosity is the heart of heaven. It's one of our values. Amen. So just fill that card out right now. And then when, you, when we're dismissing a couple minutes, as you just drop in the offering box. Amen. People are praying for you. Nobody's going to call you or check, hey, by the way, you checked. I didn't see nobody. Listen, it's really between you and God. But, but, but we, need to, man, we need to go, we just need to commit. Amen. All right, we, amen, we need to commit that we're going to be faithful to our God who is faithful to us. Come on, come on. Now, I'm going to ask all the campus pastors in all of our campuses if they would make their way down. Because some of us are, will struggle with this thought of generosity because we've never experienced grace. You've never been born again. If you've never experienced salvation, why would you want to be a giver? You want to be a taker. That's what I was until I took from everybody anything. I was a thief. I was was, all these things until I met Jesus. And, man, I then wanted to give. And so many of you are struggling with, I don't want to do that. Listen, let me just get real. Are you born again? Because Jesus said, if you're born again, I'm going to take out, or Ezekiel said, I'll take your heart of stone, and I will place within you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you, thus says the Lord. And so, man, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you got to count the cost. And saints ought to be generous. Amen. And so I want to challenge you, man. If you say, I just don't want to give, man, where's your heart? Is your heart are you sitting on your heart? Is your heart in your purse? Is your heart at First National Bank? Is it in your 401K? Because can I tell you something tomorrow? Great Depression number two could happen tomorrow. All your 401Ks wiped out, everything. Stock market plunge. We've seen it before, had not we? It could happen again and there'd be nothing. And you put all your, all your eggs in the money. God said, do not put your trust in wealth. And it's like a, it's like a high wall in your own imagination. I, man, I love you. I love you. Come on. So come on down, campus pastors. Again, I'm going to ask you to fill that card out because when we're dismissed, put those, those cards in the offering boxes. And if you need a financial class, check that. At Aaron, our CFO, has got classes planned at every single campus. And we, do, we just want to help you. We want you to be free financially. Amen. But if you, are, if you say, you know what, I just don't know where I am. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, because I believe in every campus, God is stirring people right now about where they are in salvation. So right now, we're going to pray this prayer with you. It's not a magic prayer. It's really an act of surrendering your will to God's will, stepping out by faith and believing Jesus. So right now, let's just pray this prayer with them, church. Let's pray this prayer. I pray I say, Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord. I ask you to give me a new heart, a heart of generosity. I surrender to you. I surrender to your word. Now help me grow in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. come on, let's give God some praise in the house. So this is the deal. Pastors, campus pastors, come on, guys, just be down front. There's guys and gals here would love to pray with you. Uh, if you, there are other, you know, if you prayed that prayer, to me take that communication card, and fill the communication card out, and drop in the offering box so someone can talk to you about the next step. Uh, again, the next week the alignment starts. I am Faith Promise. It is gonna be, it's the best we've ever done, and so I want to challenge you. If you're not in a group, you can go to, uh, you can go out to the uh, uh, next steps area. Uh, there's somebody will out there help you. There's going to be a. There's going to be a uh, at Pellissippi campus. There's going to be some starter small groups here that you can get involved with. You so take your communication card. Say I need a group or go to next steps. There's going to be people down here to pray with you. Hey, listen, hell's mad, and we're glad in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Holy God. Let your fire fall. God, would you reveal to us the lies of the enemy? And, God, would you expose us to your truth and your power? And, mighty God, we live in a world that's about stuff and self, and we rebuke that. We want a Galatians 2.20, for we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live it yet not I, but it's Christ that lives in us, and it's life which we now live by in the flesh. We live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and died for us. God, let us walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Let us be your people, generous, ready to share, ready to minister, ready to care. God, blow the doors out. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, we love you guys. See you next weekend. Be blessed.